You're listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome, Toronto, to a fabulous Monday. It is gross outside. It is the spring of our discontent, but none of it matters. I am going to, you know what I got to do? I got to take all four bounces off the rim to put this radio show into the hoop. I got to take my time because that's the way it goes. The shot goes up, it bounces, and it bounces again. Uh, so that's what happened last night, and man, was it ever exciting! It was, it was exciting. Uh, there's Doris, Doris Day. You heard in the news, Doris Day passing away. That is sad, but I'm not going to lie to you. I think probably you felt exactly as I felt when you heard this news this morning. Doris Day was alive. That's uh, Doris Day with K. Sarah. Sarah. I love those pillow talk movies I did with Rock Hudson. And especially now you got to watch him again because, you know, you know what's going like Rock Hudson. Like he's like big beefcakey dude. And there's these kind of, you know, like pillow talky sort of, you know, double entendre movies that aren't, they're kind of dirty, but not really dirty. You got to watch them. They're fantastic. Uh, but let's talk about beer, shall we? We have a big show ahead. We're going to talk a lot about beer and we're going to talk about this uh, new campaign from the beer store kind of going after the provincial government on whether or not we should expand beer and wine sales to corner stores. Then in the second half of our show, we're going to talk about beer snobbery. Are you a beer snob? Are you one of these craft brew loving IPA drinking like, well, we can really really take the the citrus and that. What's the uh, APV on that? Or do, do, do you just every once in a while say, just hit me with a Pabst Blue Ribbon? Just a Coors, can I have a cold Coors Light without everybody getting in there, tying themselves in a knot and me getting thrown out of the, you know, millennial elite club? Because you can't be cool. You know, you, you can't be a hipster. You're, I'm sorry, your, your, your hipster, um, you know, nation card has been revoked, sir, because of that Coors Light. We're going to talk about that coming up. But I, I want to begin with what's going on with the beer store. I want to just quickly set the table here for you. Now, you may know that the provincial government has promised and promised during the election campaign last year that it would expand the point of sale for beer and wine to corner stores, give you more choice, big box stores as well. In Ontario right now, you can buy beer and wine in a number of grocery stores. I believe 450 eventually will be licensed to carry beer and wine. And that deal to expand beer and wine, that was struck by the Liberals back in 2015. And it is a legal binding agreement with the brewer's retail, otherwise known as the beer store. And basically what the government said was, we're going to basically, we're going to take the beer and wine, we'll put it over here. But uh, here, Brewers Retail, it's because you have the um, you know the distribution model and everything else, you get to keep exclusivity on a number of things. For example, multi-sale packs. If you want to buy a beer in twelve or twenty-four, I don't know if you noticed this. Have you ever tried to get a twelve-pack or a two? You ever go to the LCBO and go, I, "What do you keep the two for us?" Well, they don't have them, and that is because the government said that multi-packs would remain entirely with the beer store. With their monopoly, with some very minor exceptions. That's why you can't get 12-pack in the grocery store. And, well, all of this is part of a financial deal, a 10-year deal that right now the provincial government is trying to negotiate a way out of because there are punitive measures in it if the government decides to break it. 
And right now, the beer store is in negotiations with the province, and at the same time, they have decided to go on a public relations campaign to tell you, the public, that if this happens, if the government goes through with this, people will lose their jobs and beer will be more expensive. Speaking on behalf of the beer store is Glenn Howard. Now, Mr. Howard is a beer store owner and, of course, also a bit of a curler. You may recognize the name as a, a, a bit of a curling type. I don't hurry hard. Glenn, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks very much, Al, and uh, great to be here. Appreciate it. The basic thrust of these radio ads that you have now released is that People will lose their jobs, and you're going to have to pay more for beer. Why do you have any evidence that either of those two things will happen? Well, the bottom line, Alan, is if you know, it's like everything else. We've got a we've got a good business model going with the beer store. We're an incredibly successful company. If you did all of a sudden decide to put beer in, in you know, two thousand, three thousand, eight thousand, whatever the case may be, however many convenience stores there will be. If, as a result of that, you start to sell more beer in, say, convenience stores, and obviously the volume will go down at the beer store, that changes our business model 100%. And then because of that, you have to, you know, you have to figure that there'll be jobs in jeopardy as a result. Well, less let volume me, means less staff, really, is what it comes down to. Well, let me play for you Ken Hughes, who is the special advisor to the Premier on alcohol sales. The guy is on the other end of the table from the beer store. In these negotiations, here's what he has to say about the price of beer. There is no evidence to suggest that uh, costs for beer will be higher. If you look at the uh, the report that came out the previous week, uh, it suggests that uh, beer costs 8% more in Ontario than it does in Quebec. And, um, you know, I think there are, you can play with the statistics all you want, but the evidence is that uh, beer uh, appears to cost more in Ontario today, and that uh, that can be improved upon. That is Ken Hughes, who is special advisor to the Premier on alcohol sales, who is leading the charge to put beer and wine in corner stores. And on the line is Glenn Howard, who is speaking on behalf of the beer store. Mr. Hughes says there's no evidence that it will cost more for beer. In fact, it might cost less. Mr. Howard, your response. Well, again, I think the fact that, uh, you know, you got to understand that Ontario has, you know, I think we're the second lowest priced beer in the country with some of the highest tax uh, rates in the, in the country, which to me is we've done an absolutely incredible job with that. And that's because of our, you know, our super efficient delivery system, distribution system that we have with the beer store. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's second to none when it comes to, to moving beer across, uh, across our province. The way, I don't know, I get to my own opinion when it comes to, you know, you're thinking of convenience stores. I, I use the old uh, the bag of milk or quart of milk analogy. If, uh, you know, you buy a quart of milk in, in a convenience store, it's definitely higher uh, price than if you went to uh, uh, a typical big box grocery store. Uh, and I don't see why that would be any different with beer. I just It just sort of makes sense that, uh, it, you know, the, the smaller the, the venue, then the, the higher the prices are going to be. I, would, I really don't see how possibly the price is going to go down. Um, and I, I, again, I, I think the fact that you know, Ontario is, we've got the lowest, some of the lowest prices in the country, and that's because of the beer store. It is just an absolutely incredible system. And, uh, you know, I use the old analogy of it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, that's kind of the way I look at it. Well, I, I think there would be a lot of people in this province who would say, I should be able to go to the corner store and get a bottle of wine. I should be able to 
buy a six-pack of beer whenever, wherever I am shopping. Uh, I am of the belief that I should be able to get a scotch at a drive-thru at 2 a.m. on Christmas morning. But that's me. That's slightly different. Here is Ken Hughes again describing exactly what is the motivation of the beer store in this advertising and the motivation for the beer store in putting you... On the radio, Mr. Howard. Here again is Ken Hughes. You'll find that there are vested interests who aren't aligned with the consumer's interest. We're aligned with the consumer. And so uh, anybody that is uh, opposed to this, anybody that's in the way of uh, taking, uh, uh, of creating convenience and choice uh, for the consumer in Ontario is doing so because they think in some way it's not in their interest to accomplish that. That should tell you uh, a lot about um, uh, interests that are, uh, that are aligned, private sector interests or private interests that are aligned against the consumer in Ontario. We're in favor of the consumer. That is Ken Hughes, the special advisor to the Premier on alcohol sales, essentially saying that the beer store is a private special interest that uh, their interests are not aligned with what the consumer wants. Glenn Howard speaking on behalf of the beer store. How do you respond to that? We, we are 100% behind the consumer. Everything we do is all consumer-driven. We we're constantly making changes for the public. We, we open our hours longer. We, we're starting to open on holidays. We opened on uh, you know, Boxing Day this year. We're virtually open almost 365. We're, you know, and and we're, expanding, we're expanding hours all over the place. And I think... That's what we do. We try and, and, and make sure the consumer is happy, and we make sure that they get the product at the lowest prices in the country. And it's because of the beer store we are uh, we're able to do that. And you know, I'm you know, Alan, I, I'm I'm so proud to be a part of this company. I've been 38 years with uh, with with the beer store. I, I've loved every minute of it, and I I just hate to see if there's ever a chance that uh, you know any one of our 7,000 employees loses their jobs uh, because of something that uh, that you know, in my mind isn't necessary. Glenn, did anybody lose their job when we put beer and wine in uh, in grocery stores? Did you did you have to cut employees in 2015 after that? Uh, yeah, we we not as many hours. Absolutely, we yeah, didn't yeah. lose any jobs. Um, not not any. No, jobs. so no jobs were lost, and meanwhile, grocery stores added a lot of jobs for people on on checkouts. So I think that just put that in perspective, Glenn. That is Glenn Howard from the beer store. I got to let you go there, Glenn. Thank you so much. Uh, the what's at stake here, folks, is a lot more than getting a six pack in a corner store. It really is. Remember, we have a legal agreement. The beer store has a legal agreement with this province. And if this province goes ahead and changes that and says, no, we're going to put it, we're, we're going to do this anyway, this province could be on the hook for tens, hundreds of millions of dollars. The special advisor to the premier said that the uh, reports that it could be upwards of a billion dollars are ludicrous and know that, that there's just no truth to it. But at the same time, the government won't say, will it pay or how much will it pay? It is something to keep your eye on. When we come back, we are going to talk about construction season, which has returned to Toronto. John Tory will be here for that, or at least on tape. Uh, and also, we are going to talk to Sean O'Shea, who will be here, actually, not just on tape. Sean O'Shea talking about the whole situation with WestJet. Five billion bucks. Onyx Corporation has just picked it up. What are they going to do with that? Will it, will it be sold as a trinket, perhaps, in Reisman's Indigo stores? Maybe. Maybe that's what's coming.
Sad news in the world of entertainment. Doris Day. When I was just a little Doris Day. Girl, passing away. Hey, Sarah. Sarah. I love the old movies. I don't know if you're like me. I, I, you know, I, I know I sound like I'm a million years old because I love these old movies. And when I mentioned to my partner this morning, you know, oh, those great pillow talk movies with Rock Hudson and Doris Day. I love that. And she's like, what is wrong with you? How'd you live in this century? You know, because every every once in a while I'm flipping around on the TV. I'm like, oh, look, Lawrence of Arabia is on. Like, oh, God. How old are you? Uh, the, uh, the big news out of City Hall this morning is that construction season is upon us again. And a hooray for that because I spent some time driving around this city on the weekend. And it's ridiculous. It's redonkulous. Like everywhere you go, there's just construction and this lane is closed. And there's, there's nobody actually working there. It's just, but well, let's close off this lane. Uh, according to the city of Toronto, this year's one billion construction season is going to cover work planned for roads, bridges, expressways, sewers, water mains. Going to spend a hundred million bucks on the major roads. And I got the list here of all of the things they're doing. And it's going to make your head spin. For example, I live in the east so coming over the dawn going either way that's an issue that's something i gotta do a lot of people have to do it four bridges over the dvp the rehabilitation of don mills road Spranbridge road winford drive and lawrence avenue bridges will all impact traffic on all of those york mills from leslie to don mills you get road resurfacing i'm just you know i'm just going through here and reading this stuff and you think oh my god I got to get myself a skateboard or something to be able to get around this area, this city. Here's John Torrey talking this morning about construction season returning. This is just work that has to be done, and we have a short construction year year, year here relative to other uh, more favorable climates, and it just has to get done. We're trying our best to coordinate it. Certainly, on my watch, we have significantly initiated, uh, significantly increased the hours that we're spending doing this where it's possible to do so. And uh, I think we're trying our best to make sure we coordinate it so that uh, parallel roads, for example, are not all torn up at once. And I think that's as much as we can do. And that is what drives everybody crazy. And the mayor admitting that, just exactly that, that that is the thing that people get upset about. It's not the fact that we have to do this stuff, because obviously we have an aging city and an aging infrastructure, and these things have to be repaired. But my goodness, can you not at least think about the roads on either side? Don't close all the bridges at once. Or the thing that just I cannot understand, for example, down there, uh, Lakeshore and Leslie, ever down there in the east side, you're like, they're tearing that thing up again for the streetcars again we tear that thing up every six months we're ripping it back up again and just as you know as a punter as a guy driving by you're like well how is that possible here's something else that the mayor had to say about uh something that's kind of disgusting with this city i mean come on it's the 21st century why why are we sending our poo into the lake There's no question the stress that is being put on the uh, sewage system in particular uh, by uh, the storms uh, is a contributing factor. And you know that I have pledged now to, in fact, even accelerate some of that work uh, to make sure that we faster get to the day when we will no longer be discharging sewage into the lake as a result of major storms, which I find to be something that is completely unacceptable in this day and age. And we're trying to move that up by 10 years to 2028. So this is all part of that same investment to cope with growth and to cope with changing Uh, climactic uh, circumstances, and uh, I'm glad that we're making the investments, and there's more to be made, much more to be done. 
That is John Tory talking about flushing the toilet right into the lake, which is what we do in this city when we have major rainstorms in the summer. It happens. And it's gross. It is gross. Also, John Tory, if you ever covered uh, City Hall or have you ever covered John Tory for, you know, all the things he's run for, here's the thing. Guy never takes a breath. Because he figures if he just takes a breath for a second, somebody will, you know, stop him from talking. And he doesn't like to stop talking. He just never shuts up. He just goes on and on. And WestJet has been bought by Onyx Corporation. How's about that for a transition? Sean O'Shea is with us. And Sean O'Shea knows how to deliver a pithy, succinct remark, Sean. I can't follow up on poo, Alan. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> uh, Sean is a uh, esteemed and well-respected and award-winning journalist, and I apologize for you having to share the airwaves with me. But tell me about why Onyx is buying WestJet for five billion. Are they just going to strip it for parts? No, it's apparently a really good deal. I, I just got off the phone with an analyst in Montreal at uh, the business school there who says, you know, Onyx doesn't buy what Onyx doesn't think there's money in. Onyx, for those of your listeners who aren't aware, is run by a guy named Jerry Schwartz. His uh, wife's name is Heather Reisman. That's Indigo Books Empire. Um, He's a very smart guy and surrounds himself with smart people who look for business opportunities that they can raise the stock price on eventually and then sell out on. So the stock price on WestJet uh, is low, um, and they're prepared to pay a pretty significant premium to be able to buy the company uh, 67% premium on its stock value because they think there's more to go. And there's apparently more opportunities for, for travelers. I mean, for most of the people listening out there, you know, when you want to go from point A to point B, there's not that many choices, not within Canada. The feeling is that WestJet's going to get bigger, it's going to get better, and it's going to be more competitive. I think that's everyone's concern is that if we were to remove WestJet or at least remove competition, that uh, prices overall would go up. Uh, what happens to the employees? I, I, I know they did the you know the ad campaign that their owners too have they been bought out? What's the deal there? The, the way the proposal is, it's it's probably the most comforting kind of uh, announcement if you're a WestJet employee because it's status quo. They want to keep the head office out in Calgary. They want to keep the current management structure in place. Uh, I interviewed Ed Sims, the current president and chief executive officer about three months ago when they were boldly going to start new service between Calgary and uh, and London. And WestJet was was a takeover, was a target of Onyx's. So they went to, to WestJet because they feel that what they're doing is the right thing. So uh, it's pretty much status quo, but Onyx gets into the weeds when it comes to working with businesses. They're not like a pension fund that owns a business that just stays back. They'll get in there, they'll be involved, and they want to raise the value of that company, probably to sell it off down the road, which is what they typically do. Um, but, but, but Sean, your point about being a private equity firm is, is that there is the concern that they would go in there and mine assets and try and take value out of the company to pay their shareholders. That's typically what happens, but you know the, the word I'm getting so far is that there's growth opportunity for WestJet, and there is growth that they're looking at and and you know to grow means to make more money so i don't think from what i've been told in the interviews i've done so far that this is going to be a strip and strip it off kind of 
uh, purchase. Uh, it sounds like they want WestJet to grow, get more routes, get more competitive, get more planes, make more money, and at that point sell it off. Um, but this still has to be, go through some approval processes. The shareholders have to vote on it. Uh, that's not going to happen overnight. The deal may not close until the beginning of, of next year, but the shareholder, the board of directors is recommending it. And, and, and why wouldn't you, uh, considering that it's a 67% increase in the value of the stock price? It's a, it's a friendly takeover. Sean, you cover the airline industry from a lot of different angles, often from a consumer uh, aspect, but also from a business aspect. And and we have seen bankruptcies of some significant airlines recently. I'm thinking of Iceland, uh, and I believe Wow Air is what it's called. Uh, it, it when you look at the the worldwide industry, what's the trend? And it, is WestJet bucking it because they've had some trouble? I mean, you know, it, it, they recently had their first loss in 13 years in the second quarter of last year. Yeah, it wasn't a good year for them last year, but they're changing and they're growing and those have got a new executive. And so whether the industry is good or not, according to uh, the business expert that we'll have on Global News at 530, uh, he says there is a lot of potential, especially in Canada. You know, we've got a big country, a lot of places have to be served, a lot of places are underserved. Uh, the airlines have just gotten a lot smarter. It's not too many years ago, Alan, that you know, I'd flow, fly out to Calgary and see my parents out there. And there was a WestJet flight and an Air Canada flight going exactly the same time. And there were lots of empty seats. Well, airlines don't do that anymore. They want to have load as close to full as possible. They're all getting better at doing that. WestJet, Air Canada, all of those airlines are doing that. A lot of the problems have been with with some of the smaller airlines that were doing budget deals. They couldn't sustain them. They didn't have deep pockets. Well, you know, Onyx has got deep pockets. If they decide to take this on, as they've done, they obviously want to make a big deal out of it. They want to make more money, and I think it's probably good for WestJet that these guys have come in, albeit being a private equity firm, as you said, they typically want to you know, get value and move on. But it's probably about as good a buyer as you're going to find for WestJet. That is Sean O'Shea, who is Global's consumer reporter, and you can see Sean's report on the WestJet bid by Onyx, $5 billion. That's tonight, Global News at 5.30. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Lyle. Have a great day. Quickly, I just want to mention that Global News has now learned that the TDSB, the Toronto District School Board, will be releasing a report later today outlining how it intends to save more than $50 million in response to a projected budgetary shortfall. That that they're blaming on changes in funding from the provincial government. That report is set to be tabled today at a meeting of the board's Finance and Budget Committee. That's at 4.30 p.m. today. Sources saying the TDSB will need to find $54 million in savings next year to make up for the changes in funding from the Ford government. Keep your eye on that. I gotta get out of my head, gotta get on out of here. Another day, another 
fight She's slowly killing me One will be enough tonight To pour me a drink or three Welcome back to the program. The shot is up. The ball is in the air. It's going to hit the rim. What happens next? Who knows? We've got a couple of more bounces to see whether or not this shot goes in on the radio program today. And let's talk about beer, shall we? Because the sun is over the yard arm somewhere. I don't see the sun anywhere in the city of Toronto today. But the sun's over the yard arm. I say that all the time, and I don't even know what it means. It just, to me, it just means it's time for a drink. Uh, and so sun's over the yard arm somewhere, uh, so let's have a beer, shall we? And I want to read for you a great article by Dave McGinn in the Globe and Mail. Uh, and Dave writes an opinion piece in defense of crappy beer. And I just want to begin this with you. He, he talks about going to a bar in Toronto with a friend. And here, I'm reading now. He ordered some IPA I've never heard of. I ordered a Frosty Coors Light. What are you drinking that for? My friend asked. I didn't need to ask what he meant. I've been on the receiving end of this question for years now. The question comes in a few different forms, but the implication is always the same. I am an ignorant moron, lacking all taste and discernment, stupidly blind to the many splendors of craft beer. Well, does that ring true for you? I, I do sometimes just go to the bar and order whatever. Like, I'll just have the bud. And the guy next to you is like, what? Dude, you should have one of these crafts. Well, we're going to talk about that. And for that, I have two guests on the line. Matt Park is from Burdock Brewery, which is in Toronto. Hi, Matt. Hello. Where's Burdock Brewery, sir? We're uh, we're in the West End. We're right at Bloor and Dufferin, right at, right at Dufferin Station. Very nice. Thank you. Welcome to the program. Ben Johnson from Ben's Beer Blog, one of the great writers in this city and this province about beer. Ben, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Hi, Alan. Hey, Matt. Hey, Ben. All right, settle down, you beer <laughs> wankers. Uh, let's just begin with this. Would either of you ever drink uh, an X? Oh, for sure. Like forced uh, to? Like... Definitely, like you know, an export. I'm talking about here now. You know what I mean, right? If I was doing a, you know, like a tasting with my with my staff about like you know what what a what a classic export macro lager tastes like, for sure, I'd be I'd be drinking one then. But you know, am I going to drink one on a on a Saturday in the sun? Probably not. Ben, you want to weigh in on this whole snobbery issue? Sure. I mean, I, it, the article itself is actually not very original. There's been a uh, you know, a version of uh, I like beer that I don't have to think about since probably, you know, 1980 when homebrewing became popular in the United States. It's it's not exactly a new argument, and uh, it's, I mean, it is a little ignorant. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, writer, the writer was being contrarian, but I mean, if you like a beer that is easy to drink, you don't have to resort to Coors Light. It's, you're kind of just being lazy. So it's just lazy in the fact that we are so advertised to that, you know, you could find a a nice session beer by one of the craft brewers in the city that would, you know, would slake your, fir- your thirst. For sure. I would argue that craft beer has been trending more and more towards what I call, you know, lawnmower beers or dad beers, so pilsners and lagers. Um, you kind of get over the IPA sour hump and you start to appreciate well-balanced 
Don't say Sour no. Hump on radio. You can't say that. <laughs> that's a good name for a beer. Matt yeah. Park, Matt Park, right now thinking to myself, mm, that sounds yeah. like what? What? What's your best-selling beer at Burdock Brewery? Our best-selling beer is probably our Vermont Blonde, which is you know, our easiest drinking, easiest drinking. That's uh, also something you can't say on the radio. Yeah, it's true. Um, but you know, I would agree with Ben. Um, in that, you know, this craft breweries are making really excellent examples of the styles that macro breweries have kind of been making for, for years. The craft beer trend is kind of catching on to that. I think a lot of the craft breweries now are kind of maturing and are just getting tired of drinking, you know, 8% sour IPAs and want, and want something that they can, you know, drink day in, day out, like a, like a crisp lager or, a, you know, a low ABV, you know, pale ale of some variety. So, yeah. Uh, and Ben, just back to this whole snobbery issue, because, you know, I get your point about just being lazy with what you and contrarian. But there is a contrarian sort of nature in the beer snobbery. And I'm listen, I'm just as bad as the next person. Well, like, you know, oh, I'm not going to drink that. I'm going to have to drink this this thing that's been made, you know, down the street from me. I mean, I, I love the craft beer, but it comes with this sort of attitude, does it not? I, I'd like to think we're past that at this point, but I, I'm definitely guilty of saying, why are you drinking that? But it's not so much that I'm like, want to educate people. I mean, if you understand that there are other options available and people making great beer in your own backyard and people making beer without preservatives, um, and you can articulate that, then go ahead. I mean, you're free to drink toilet water if you want to, but I'm going to make a comment. Uh, uh, that is, thanks, Ben. Uh, last word to you, Matt. What uh, for those thirsty drinkers out there? What what should you have? What should you drink? Yeah, it's just you know. I think at the end of the day, it's like, do you want to drink milk from the farmer down the road, or do you want to drink milk from a an international conglomerate that you have no idea where the milk came from, what's in it, you know, how long it's been in in the package for. When you buy beer from, you know, your neighborhood brewery, you're supporting your neighbors, essentially. And that's, you know, that's just a nice thing to do. Even if you're lactose intolerant, have yourself some of that locally made milk. Thank you so yeah, much. That's, that's Matt right. Park from Burdock Brewery and Ben Johnson from Ben's Beer Blog. Thanks, guys, for being on the program. Thanks, Alan. Thanks a lot, Alan. It is just about 1241. When we come back, I am going to play for you perhaps the greatest call from last night's game. I know you probably heard the call now of the Kawhi buzzer beater. You've heard it, and it's been playing all morning long. It's probably on your social media feed. But there is a foreign language call to this that, oh my goodness, I just think maybe from now on I'm not going to watch the game in English anymore because it's probably more exciting than another way. We're going to talk more about what's happening In the next series, too, it's The Claw versus The Freak. Very foggy, kind of gross Monday, morose, and it just seems like winter just will not let go. Just won't let go at all. It's icy grip around our city's throat. But so much to celebrate after what a wonderful win and an iconic moment for Toronto sports. We're going to talk about that more in depth in just a couple of moments. And what I'm going to get for you, what I'm going to do for you, is if you're a bandwagoner, and by the way, folks, bandwagoners, come on. There's lots of room on the Raptors bandwagon. Time to get on board. Let's go. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Raps fan, and I don't, I don't mind. 
But I'm going to give you some things that you can just say water cooler style. You can just things you can just drop and people will think that you are a hoops fanatic. This is just my it is it is my gift to you and that is coming right up. But I want to tell you about something that's happening at Queens Park right now. And I'm I'm just watching this develop right now on Twitter via the old Twitter machine. Now to give you a sense of what happens at Queen's Park after a question period is what happens is they have a question period begins every day at uh, 10.30 in the morning, and then it goes for about an hour, hour and 20, depending. And there's some back and forth, and there's sometimes there's quite a bit of news that is made within the floor of the legislature. But then what happens at the end of that is that out of what's called the East Doors, a set of doors that is right beside the legislature in the actual chamber, the ministers will come out sort of one by one, uh, you know, the Minister of Health comes out, and then, you know, the you know the finance minister comes out, and there's what are called scrums. You've likely heard that term before. It comes from the rugby uh, scrum, and it's kind of similar because it can be elbows up sometimes with all these other reporters in there, and you're jockeying for position, and cameras are jockeying for, for position. And what you do then is then you ask the minister questions, and this sort of there's a free-for-all, everybody's shouting at the minister. And, and if you ever watch on television, Television, you watch back what's happening. Watch the next time. Don't listen to what. The, don't watch the minister who's talking. Look at the reporters all around the minister. And what are they doing? They look like they're douchey dudes at a bar because they just got their heads on a swivel looking for somebody more interesting to talk to. It's like, yeah, who else do we have? Yeah, you, yeah, you're all right. But was oh, who's over there? That's what's happening. But. What's happened today? Now, suddenly, out of nowhere, it it appears that the provincial government has changed their minds on how this all works, and they are putting in what is known as a unimic. Now, a unimic is set off to the side, and it means that reporters must stand back, stand to the side, and that the minister now stands there in front of a microphone and takes questions one at a time. And there's not that shouty free-for-all that has you know come to typify Queens Park political news and political journalism, and so this change now is just it just has been brought in this morning, and I'm watching it go by here on on Twitter, and a bunch of journalists are tweeting about it, and here's uh, Siobhan Morris from Ten said what look at this oh yeah now we're doing scrums with mics because now they haven't actually got it figured out yet so now so there's some bumps in the road here there's some difficulty here and. Uh, so that's all that's all going on down there at Queen's Park, keeping an eye on that situation. Let's talk more about the Raptors, shall we? Can we just get get, get let's get back to the Raptors? And I I promise this in our last segment because it's gonna it's amazing. Uh this you heard, of course, you've heard the the call uh if you watched the game last night. Here is the call of the big moment, the shot. Here it is in Korean. <laughs> Oh, that is so great. That is that is the call of the shot. The shot uh, in Korean last night. Uh, to my uh, Korean friends uh, who uh, called that. And uh, what, what a great call that was. And what a great moment. I was shouting at the top of my lungs. I scared the just jabbers out of the cat. The cat was just 
absolutely freaked out and went just trundling off down the stairs. Now, just quickly, uh, I have a disabled cat, or I'm reminded that it's a cat with a disability. That's You have to say that now. So it has, it's a wobbly cat. See, it's got, it, it basically, it has some kind of neurological disease that means that it wobbles, when it, it always looks drunk, uh, which is endlessly entertaining. Uh, uh, but the problem is, is if the cat gets near the stairs, the cat will fall down the stairs. So you have to be super careful in my house. If the cat is anywhere near the stairs, you have to wait for the cat to get down the stairs. You have to wait. I just tell that story. I just tell that story uh, because I have a disabled cat. And not everyone has one. But what do you say to that? What do you say to that? <laughs> Thank you, Snagglepuss. But you know what happened last night when that ball went in? When that ball went in that bucket, it it really erased what happened 18 years ago. I was such a huge Raptors fan during the last series when it was the 76ers versus the Raptors. Vince Carter again with a shot from the corner at the buzzer to win it and send the Raptors for their, what would that point be, their first ever conference final, and it rims out. And that has haunted the city. And last night, that ghost was exercised, wasn't it, by a guy named Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, who is absolutely, I don't think there's an argument, the best player to ever wear a Raptors jersey. He is going to go to the Hall, and his performance in this series was absolutely breathtaking. But as we look forward now, we have to start thinking about what's next, because we can celebrate all we like, but guess what happens on Wednesday night? Wednesday night is the beginning of the next series, the Eastern Conference Final. And for that, we have to square up against a guy named Giannis Attenokounmpo who is pretty good. And you know what I'm really interested in, and, and I'll just tell you quickly a background about him if you're not a big NBA fan, is that uh, here, here's the stats on Giannis. Uh, born December 6, 1994, it makes him 24 years old, in Athens, Greece. He's six foot 11, 242 pounds. He is known as the Greek Freak. And he is incredibly popular all around the world. And this is what I'm going to find interesting going forward, is if you're ever on the Danforth, if you enjoy going to the Danforth, maybe getting yourself some Slovakia, opa! You, it's not hard to find pictures of Giannis and Bucks flags. So if you are a Greek-Canadian, who are you cheering for? Are you cheering for the freak or are you cheering for the claw? The claw is the nickname of Kawhi Leonard, born June 29th, 1991, makes him 27, born in Los Angeles. He's six foot seven, and he's 230 pounds of fun. <laughs> and what is going to be happening on Wednesday night is we're going to have a mass collision between the claw. And the freak. And see, here's how I'm helping you. This is what you just drop in. Just, you're in the elevator, you're in the lunchroom, whatever. You're like, claw trumps a freak every time. And just walk out. You just drop that and walk out and everybody thinks, man, that guy's a baller. That guy is a baller. Speaking of balling, I got to roll. Oh, it's taking a while. 
That ball's been up in the air for a while. Bounce, bounce, bounce. And in. See you tomorrow.